evening. It's Friday night, and that means it's time for the Bresbet Racing Show. We've got it all. Top jockeys. Top trainers. Top tipsters. And top personalities from the world of racing. So make sure you join us every Friday night at 7 o'clock here on Three Valleys Radio for the Bresbet Racing Show. Good evening again. It's Friday night and it's time for the Bresbet Racing Show here on Three Valleys Radio. And on the show tonight, we've got Colin Brown, as always, Gavin Sheehan, Nick Schofield. We've got a rerun of the King George with jockey Richard Dunwoody. Uh, we've got Gary Wiltshire from Bresbet. We've got Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing. And we've got Joe Tizard on preparations for the forthcoming King George at Kempton Park on Boxer Day. Add to that the news and all the fixtures and we've got a pretty good full show for you. So let's get started as we always do with the news from Mike Patton. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's Racing News with all the news from the racing media including Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. I'm Mike Patton and this week there's one story dominating the news and that is of jockey Robbie Dunn who has been banned for 18 months the last three of which have been suspended after he was found guilty of bullying and harassing Bryony Frost by deliberate targeting of a colleague whose vulnerabilities he intentionally exploited. The penalty, which is imposed with immediate effect, was delivered after an independent disciplinary panel ruled that Dunn had engaged in conduct online, on the track and in the weighing room that was prejudicial to the integrity, proper conduct and good reputation of racing. In announcing the verdict, panel chair Brian Barker QC said it had been unable to accept Mr Dunn's sweep of denials, criticisms and his reasoning and expressed real concern about the described culture of the weighing room in Britain. Barker added that Dunn, who has seven days to appeal against the decision, had shown little sign of understanding or remorse during the six-day hearing and had instead adopted an attack on Frost's personality to justify his actions. Frost, who rode a winner at Warwick shortly before the verdict was given and who had been found by the panel to be, quote, truthful, careful and compelling in her evidence, thanked every individual, including the racing public, that had supported her after the decision. The panel ruled that Dunn's behaviour towards Frost between February the 13th and September the 3rd last year, when his campaign against his weighing group colleague culminated in him telling her he would, quote, put you through a wing, was a promise to do harm and amounted to bullying, the most serious of the charges brought against him by the BHA. Barker said, We are unable to accept Mr Dunn's sweep of denials, criticisms and his reasoning. 
a man who, in the view of one of his own witnesses, was a Mickey taker, and who regarded himself as one of the elders of the weighing room and someone who expected his views to be heeded. The tenor and type of language that we find was used towards Miss Frost is totally unacceptable. Whatever the frustrations about her style and whatever the habits of the weighing room, they fall squarely within the ambit of the prohibition set out in the rule. Secondly, in reviewing the evidence given and their approach by jockeys of repute as well as by the valets, who probably find themselves in a difficult position, we have real concern that what was referred to by Mr. Weston as the weighing room culture is deep-rooted and coercive, and in itself is not conductive to the good health and the development of modern-day race riding. He added. On examination of Miss Frost's evidence and demeanour, we find her to be truthful, caring, and compelling. By taking her complaint to the BHA, she has broken the code. Quote, knowing that isolation and rejection by some was inevitable. On handing down the punishment, Barker was highly critical of Dunn's behaviour, including during the hearing. He said, "This was the deliberate targeting of a colleague whose vulnerabilities you exploited." Whatever your view of her riding style, this is not the way to deal with it. Your behaviour was not appropriate in an equal opportunity sport. In our view, the aggravating features are that this was a deliberate course of conduct in public over a fairly long period, which had its desired effect. Your behaviour and language would not be tolerated in any other walk of life or workplace. Additionally, in the course of the days of this hearing, you have adopted an aggressive attack on her personality in order to seek to justify your actions. There has been little sign of understanding or remorse. In a statement on Thursday, Frost said, "I would like to thank every individual, including the racing public, that has supported me not only during the last couple of weeks but throughout." I wish now to take a few days to reflect on the outcome before I make any further comment. I ask the media to please give me and the people closest to me a few days of privacy. I need to focus on my upcoming rides over the weekend. And thank you, she said. Louis Weston, representing the BHA, said Dunn had quote, not demonstrated one single bit of remorse throughout the case, while Roderick Moore, for Dunn, asked the panel not to. Quote, make the livelihood of one man the lightning rod for change to the weighing room. Moore added, "He asks me to apologise on his behalf sincerely for where you find he has fallen down. He does not wish to upset anyone." The initial verdict came three minutes after Frost had won a juvenile maiden hurdle on Greystone for trainer Lucy Wadham at Warwick. During her testimony last Wednesday, Frost had spoken emotionally about Dunn's bullying of her and the manner in which she had been ostracised by male and female colleagues in the weighing room. She said, "The isolation I felt for speaking out, I wouldn't wish on anyone." I don't know about any other jockeys, but if I talk about myself, I would never threaten or intentionally scare someone by saying I promise to hurt you. No way is that right in human nature, and not what you tell somebody. She said her dad, whose grand national winning rider Jimmy Frost, always told me to keep quiet. Don't start anything. Just let it happen and move on. I used to think this, but with the promise to hurt someone, there's only so much you can take.
Ruby Walsh spoke about the conduct of the weighing room after the independent disciplinary panel's ruling against Robbie Dunn, and said that at times jockeys have to tell someone to sit down and shut up. During the hearing, the weighing room culture was described as rancid by BHA counsel Louis Weston, a claim challenged by the Professional Jockeys Association in a statement following the announcement of Dunn's 18-month suspension on Thursday. As well as criticising the BHA investigation and the disciplinary panel, the PJA statement said Frost felt bullied and which led to a headline in the Times suggesting the Jockeys Association had backed Dunn. The PGA chairman, John Holmes, repeated the use of the word felt when pressed by ITV Racing on whether Frost had been bullied, but he defended the organisation and said changes were underway. Several jockeys reportedly boycotted media interviews over what they felt was an unfair representation of the weighing room. Dunn, who was at Cheltenham on Friday, has seven days to appeal against the ruling following the receipt of written reasons. Based on the evidence surrounding this case, to say that the culture is rancid is an easy accusation to make, Walsh told ITV Racing. Do I think that's the culture of the weighing room? Certainly not. That said, you have a room full of competitors and rivals. They're not all friends, nor should they be, but they represent the image of the sport, and they have to uphold that. There will be rows, but at times someone has to tell somebody else to sit down and keep quiet. That doesn't appear to have happened, and that's what went wrong. You have to use words like, I'm sorry. That's part of any altercation, and in sport they'll always happen. But you have to go and apologise. They're simple words. Then somebody has to reassure the person who was heckled not to worry about it. That's how the weighing room should work, but it stopped working, which is the problem. Former jockey Mick Fitzgerald, a PGA board member, discussed what the PGA needs to do to avoid a repeat incident and said, We must emphasise that change is happening and that the code of conduct that has been brought in, and will be displayed in every weighing room, means every jockey knows what's expected from them. We wanted a visible presence so any rider with any grievance can seek help and get things sorted so we don't reach a situation like this one. You can't alter the past, but you can change for the future. Holmes pointed out that several changes the PGA has made in the last year, most notably introducing a code of conduct for all jockeys. He said, I have to say, when I first took the job, before all this emerged, I was rather astonished that racing and the PGA didn't have a code of conduct. We now do, and every jockey has seen that. It will be displayed prominently in weighing rooms all over the country. While acknowledging there may be, quote, isolated incidents, Holmes defended the culture of the weighing room. Despite the concerns of the independent disciplinary panel, it was deep-rooted and coercive. He said, I understand how it's been portrayed in the media, and I know the reason behind that. In the main, these people are professional, hard-working and decent. There's obviously isolated incidents, but I won't go into that now, as there may be an appeal. In every sport, we are examining where we are, looking at conduct, the way we administrate and handle player associations. We've made changes, but I also have to stand up for my members. When asked if he accepted the finding that Frost had been bullied, Holmes added, It's subject to appeal, so I can't go into the case, but I accept she felt bullied. Absolutely.
She's one of our members, and we offered help in the first place through Dale Gibson and Paul Struthers. I spent a lot of time on the phone with her. I couldn't do it in person due to the pandemic. We'll continue to offer our help, and I know Dale has already attempted to reach out to her. The BHA's chief executive, Julie Harrington, who also rejected the claim the weighing room culture was rancid, was questioned on the PJA's claim that it had lost faith in the BHA and the disciplinary panel. She said, The independent judicial panel is just that. It's independent of the BHA and has legal experts who can form an opinion. Its record in finding for and against the BHA speaks for itself. We work closely with the PJA on a number of matters. Inevitably, there will be times when we're working on opposite sides of the table. It's important to remember they were representing both parties in this case and we'll continue to have an open dialogue with them and make sure we gather learnings from this case for the future. I spoke to John Holmes this morning and we agree it's important to acknowledge the weighing room is a hugely positive environment 99% of the time, but we must take action in the minority of cases when it just isn't working for somebody. We have to show we'll support and pursue poor behaviour where it exists. Steps are being made. People will naturally feel defensive when an environment they cherish is being criticised, but I hope with a bit of perspective, people are keen to use this as a catalyst for further improvement. The body representing jockeys in Ireland is set to explore the introduction of arbitration processes to deal with disputes between riders following the Robbie Dunn case. Irish Jockeys Association Secretary Andrew Coonan believes that an internal structure should be implemented as a potential first solution to solve disputes, rather than see riders make their claims public, as turned out to be the case between Frost and Dunn. Coonan said, I would like to think that it's a common sense approach. We're fortunate in Ireland that this hasn't ever happened where a jockey complains about another in this regard. However, it would be remiss and short-sighted of me to think that such a thing could not happen. There's a lot of negativity out of what has happened in the UK, but if we are to take a positive from it, we must try to ensure that any rider in our jurisdiction has a forum in which they can raise their concerns or complaints. That forum would not necessarily be a public one at first instance where the public and media would get involved. It would allow for the individuals to speak openly and freely, addressing the concerns within our own organisation. He added, this wouldn't be reinventing the wheel. I question myself as to why we don't have this sort of structure in place already. In any corporate structure, that sort of system would be implemented. It's not always possible to have such matters resolved straight away, but at least it gives both parties an opportunity without the issue turning brother on brother. I'm sure when we sit down as a committee, we'll look at this. Last month, it was revealed that the BHA would upgrade weighing room facilities across all British racecourses. The PJA hit out in the aftermath of Friday's ruling that the BHA had ignored repeated requests to improve female changing facilities, saying it was... No coincidence it has only shown an interest in driving change over the last few months in the light of this case. Coonan suggested that there is not the same underlying frustration at riders' facilities in Ireland, but insisted that further progress is required by Irish authorities to improve conditions for all jockeys. He said, If you asked any rider in Ireland now, I think they would all agree that very good progress has been made. 
However, further progress needs to be made, and that's the constant thing that we should be working on. Kunin also revealed that very constructive discussions have taken place between the IJA and Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Board in relation to jockeys' complaints over a proposed increase in annual licence fees, which include a hike of up to 350% for some riders. He said, I think this is very resolvable with a little bit of goodwill from both sides and some practicality. We've had very constructive discussions, so let's keep that going and get the issue completed so this doesn't become a major focus of division. This has been this week's Racing News, with all the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden. Join us again next time, and thanks for listening. Well, that was Mike Padden with all the racing news. Now let's have a look at the fixtures for the weekend. Well, we start off at Haydock, where there are seven races over the jumps with an 11.50 start. Then we go to Newcastle, seven races over the jumps there, 12 o'clock start. Seven races on the flat at Lingford on the all-weather, 12.15 start. Six races over the jumps at Ascot, 12.40 start. Seven races on the flat at Wolverhampton on the all-weather with a four o'clock start. And one race, according to this, on the flat at Remington Park in the USA with a 4.28 start. And then we go to Sunday the 19th when there are just the two meetings, eight races on the flat at Kempton on the all-weather with a 12 o'clock start and seven races on the jumps at Fakenham with a 12.20 start. Now a few weeks ago I had the opportunity to have a chat with uh, Charlie Austin, the Queen's Park Rangers striker who also has a passion for horse racing. Now, you've got another passion which uh, we both share, and that is horses. Yep. Tell, yeah. me, tell me about your passion for horses and how you got involved in horses. So, my grand liked to bet, and I just listened. I started to enjoy, I enjoyed it, and then all of a sudden I was, like I, said, I was in a fortunate position to, to own the horses. So I just went from there, really. I always remember going racing and thinking I'd love to be in the, like, in the owner's Mm. in the circle do you know what I mean and the yeah. parade ring and stuff and uh, like I say I was very fortunate that um, that I was be- I was able to yeah and it ca- kind of just went from there really I had one I went down the jump route a little bit and then I was ah, let's get into the let's get in the flat and then then I, then I went from there to, to having the flat horse I've just got I've only got the two left now and they're both at Richard Hammond which I'm very fortunate because he only lives uh, about 10 minutes from my house oh right yeah yeah so that's where I've got the two in there, which is is an enjoy, enjoyable time just going up to hit, up to his yard and enjoyable time going racing with him also. So, so when you um, when you were, you said you went the jump route first off, what did who did you yep. have horses with when on the jumpers? I had a horse with John Joe O'Neill first, yeah. and then I had one with Warren Greytrex and Oliver Sherwood. All oh, right, so some good good trainers then. And did you get yeah. many winners? I had a couple of winners. Two minutes didn't win for me. Um, I had a couple of winners with. Uh, Warren Greytrex. We bought uh, Miss Sophie Rose. Her name was. She was. Um, she. What, I paid seven thousand for her from the Doncaster Salad. There was four of us involved, hmm. and um, she won first time out. I remember being at Worcester when she won first time out. I felt it, was, it felt like I won the gold cup. <laughs> I, I, bet, won yeah. two and a half grand, I won a two and a half grand race at Worcester. But to me, it was an it was an amazing feeling, you know, that we to have a winner. And I, I wish they all won, but it don't, it don't work out. And then it kind of just took off from there, really. I didn't. I enjoyed the jumps. I, I did, but the more I could go racing more in the summer, and it was more the flat. 
And the weather was always nicer because I always reckon going going jumping. Uh, I mean, our closest here is either Taunton or Wincanton, and Wincanton yeah. was always at about twenty degrees lower than any other place in the whole world. I think when it went racing there, uh, oh, that's it's the dreadful. thing. If you go, yeah, if you go to Wincanton on a bad day, you're getting blown off the off the track. Ah, oh, awful. Whereas whereas in the summer, Salisbury in the sunshine, lovely, lovely track to go there racing. Go. I think you know that's it. You weigh up. You weigh up, the, you weigh up the options. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. So, who have you got your horses with now then? Just the two with Richard Hannon. That's oh, it. both, both with Richard Hannon. Okay, and both with Richard Hannon. That's it. How many winners have you had with them? I've um, the other side filly that I've got. She has won five times for me. All right, yeah. She's a four-year-old. Yeah, she, she won first time out for me at Newbury. Yeah. And then she come back and what she comes sec a third on her um her first time at Kempton. I don't think she liked the track. But then handicap would give her a mark of seventy seventy six. Yeah. Happy day. She's miles better than seventy six. She won two on the spin at Windsor. Then she comes second at Windsor the following and then she won again. So mm. it was just like we had a bit of fun with her. She's very good. I get, I've got her in training at the moment. She had a nice nice mark at the moment again. I think she'll win next time out for when we drop her back to six furlongs. And I, I think, I, because she's mine, I, this one I want to, I think I might breed from her, you know? Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure. I don't know about this moment. I don't know a lot about the breeding game. I'd have to speak to someone that would know more on it, but I definitely would look at it, yeah. Well, that was Charlie Austin talking about his passion for horse racing. Well, that was Queen's Park Rangers striker Charlie Austin there with a few views on his love of horse racing. And now it's time for... Sweet, sweet memories you gave me. You can't beat the memories you gave me. Take one fresh and tender kiss. Add one stolen night of bliss. One girl, one boy, some grief, some joy, man. Made of this, the memories you gave me. Don't forget a small moonbeam. Fold in lightly with a dream. Your lips and mine, two sips of wine, man. Memories are made of this. Can't the memories you gave then add the wedding bells, the one house where lovers dwell. Three little kids for the flavor. Stir carefully through the days, see how the flavor stays. These are the dreams. From above, you can't beat the memories you gave me. Serve it generously with love. You can't beat the memories you gave me. One man, one wife, one love through life. Man, sweet, sweet, made of this. Over to you, Graham. 19 fences to jump then, and as they come down towards the first. 
It's Desert Orchid on the inside of Bob Tisdall as they come to take the first fence. Desert Orchid and Bob Tisdall and Barnbrook again, they're all over the first Yahoo Peckwell Bay Norton's coin as they come down towards the ditch. And it's Desert Orchid on the inside of Bob Tisdall as they take the ditch. Just a little bit of a short one there. Yahoo at just a fraction slow. But it's Desert Orchid leading from Bob Tisdall in the red jacket in second place. And then Pegwell Bay and Barnbrook again in Yahoo. And Norton's coin, the back marker, as they swing right-handed and make their way down the far straight here at Kempton Park where they have four fences to jump. And no one knows that better than Desert Orchid as he levels up towards the third. A plain fence, then an open ditch, and then two more plain on this stretch of the track at least, and Desert Orchid leading. Desert Orchid by length to Bob Tisdall in second, and the gap of two lengths to Pegwell Bay and Barnbrook again. They come in towards the third, and a mighty leap by uh, Desert Orchid gains lengths in the air. Bob Tisdall's in second. Pegwell Bay third, and Barnbrook again trying this trip for the first time in four. Then comes Yahoo and Norton's coin, and this one's a ditch. And Desert Orchid comes to it, takes it safely from Pegwell Bay, making ground on the inside. Wide of these in the red jacket is Bob Tisdall. And uh, Norton's coin, a little bit of a mistake at the rear of the field. Barnbrook again taking quite a keen hold in fourth, and they take the next, and there's no change there. It's Desert Orchid and Pegwell Bay on the inside as they head towards the sixth, and it's Desert Orchid clear by three over Bob Tisdall. Desert Orchid from Bob Tisdall. Barnbrook again a bit untidy, another untidy jump by Norton's coin at the rear of the field. And so they swing right-handed out of the back straight and turn for home for the first time down towards the seventh. And on this stretch of the track, they've got three to jump and they're all playing. And it's Desert Orchid clear by three over Bob Tisdall and then Pegwell Bay and Barnbrook again, third and fourth, followed by Yahoo and Norton's coin. And they've got two miles left to race. And it's Desert Orchid out in front where he loves to be from Bob Tisdall with on the inside Pegwell Bay and this is the seventh and the leaders are over all over the seventh Pegwell Bay on the inside of Bob Tisdall and Barnbrook again and Yahoo and Norton's coin and they come in to take the eighth and it's Desert Orchid comes to it meets it well from Pegwell Bay who's coming through in the second place with Bob Tisdall in third and Bob Barnbrook again wide of that one then comes Yahoo and Norton's coin and down towards the ninth and it's Desert Orchid in the lead, comes to it, takes it well. The Pegwell Bay uh, just hit the top of it. And as uh, Desert Orchid races past the enclosures, he's getting a round of applause, and he's still got a circuit to go, and they head towards the 10th water jump. And it's Desert Orchid in the lead. From Bob Tisdall and Barnbrook again, and Pegwell Bay and Norton's going in Yahoo, and they head down towards the water jump. And it's Desert Orchid leading. From Bob Tisdall and Pegwell Bay and Barnbrook again, and this is the water, this is the tenth, and it's Desi in front. Desert Orchid leading comes to it. Takes it safely from Bob Tisdall and Barnbrook again, and Pegwell Bay travelling well. And they've completed a circuit of the course, and they go to what was there first. And John Oakes and John Frankham, it's still Desert Orchid out in front. He looks very happy so far, nothing particularly extravagant. He hasn't stood off outside any wings so far, but uh, his ears are still pricked. Uh, Barnbrook again going well behind, and although Peg will... Oh, Lord, Desi was, uh, made a slight mess of that. Yeah, he hasn't really been jumping as boldly as I've seen him in the past. He hasn't really been taking Richard into the fences. Normally, he attacks his fences. He certainly hasn't been doing that today. And, uh, well, as we're waiting there, let's have a word from the man who knows him better than anyone, Simon Sherwood. Yeah, John, um, I, you know, as you say, he hasn't been attacking his fences as much as I'd like to see him. But on the other hand, he's, uh, I think he's quite happy in himself. I dare say Richard's trying to give him a little bit of a blow. And uh, we'll be thinking about really stepping it up, sort of, 
one of these two down his back straight. And they've got seven to jump. Um, Bob Tisdall's on the outside of Desert Orchid, but that one has the lead. Desert Orchid comes into it again. Not as uh, fluent he has been in the past. Bob Pistol's on the outside. Barnbrook again is third. Pegwell Bay four. Now the next one they take is the last ditch, and it's Desert Orchid. Hasn't really set the pace of life, but he jumped that one well. Bob Tisdall in second. Yahoo a bit untidy at the rear of the field. Barnbrook again comes through into third. Pegwell Bay is four, but Desert Orchid in the lead, and they've got five more to jump, and it's Desert Orchid who comes to it by length. Desert Orchid, a good jump there from Barnbrook again, who's coming up on the outside of Bob Tisdall. Pegwell Bay was a bit untidy and they've got four more to jump in the King George's sixth chase and his Desert Orchid comes to it and he's now starting to jump that one well and in the grey the silver shadow is coming clear now of Bob Tisdall in second and Barnbrook again is third and then Yahoo is making stealthy progress on the outside of Norton's coin and Pegwell Bay is now the back marker and they've got three to jump and it's Desert Orchid in the lead but Bob Tisdall in the red jacket is pressing Barnbrook again is trying to close but his uh, uh, query is the trip here Yahoo in the yellow colours on the right and they're in line for home and they've got three to jump and it's Desert Orchid who comes down towards this the third last comes to it a good jump from Bob Tisdall and Barnbrook again and Norton's coin and Yahoo looking one pace now as they come down towards the second last and Desert Orchid comes to it and he meets it well three clear of Barnbrook again and Bob Tisdall and he's got one to jump as Desert Orchid in this King George VI and ranks steeple chase one more to jump for Desert Orchid and the crowd is starting to come on light but Barnbrook again is challenging in second they're at the last and Desert Orchid takes it from Barnbrook again in second place as he breaks up towards the line it's racing zone rolls right Desert Orchid the silver shadow going well clear of Barnbrook again and Desert Orchid wins it for a third time a big performance from Barnbrook again second and Yahoo is third and then came Bob Tisdall in four and Pegwell Bay in five and just trotting past the post in sixth and last place was Norton's coin. Now let's hear from Richard Dunwoody and his thoughts on the race. Well, good afternoon, Richard. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show over there in Spain. Um, it must be nice over there because I tell you, over here it's not. It's raining and it's miserable and it's cold and it's horrible. So uh, make the most of it, mate. That's, that's it. Um, the weather's not too bad here at the moment, 80. So, um, but uh, it was chilly enough and we had a fair bit of rain over the last couple of days yeah uh, but uh, all good but we're talking about desert orchid and uh, in particular the 1989 king george at kempton and obviously with the king george coming up fairly shortly now in england um i just wonder what your memories were of winning it on uh, in 1989 on desi yeah it was um one of my first rides on on the horse um you know it was such a privilege to to be asked to be one of the team um Colin Bryan had, had ridden mostly to begin with. Um, in the, his young, uh, you know, he was a, he was a pretty hard ride in those in those days early, early on over hurdles and then over novice chasing. Yeah. Uh, Colin then retired, and Simon Sherwood got the ride. Won nine races out of ten on him. So the pressure was certainly on me when when I, <laughs> I took over the ride when when Simon retired and. Uh, um, I think I'd ridden him in Canton, might have ridden him in one other race, but um, uh, then it was the, the King George, 1989. Um, he was hot, hot favourite for the race, six to four on. So the the pressure was was on, and uh, he gave me you know a hell of a ride in the race, jumped brilliantly, made one mistake, I think, at the, the fence down the side, um, probably about a halfway, and. And after that, he was he was fantastic. He he pinged the fences, three fences up the straight, 
Um, and, you know, he never looked in, in danger of getting beaten. It, it was the sort of determination that the horse possessed, wasn't it, that, that seemed to make him stand out? Because whenever I've watched him on, on you know, YouTube and that, you know, he was always determined. He was, you know, it was, it was never going to sort of idly. He would always go go for it all the time. And the jockey would just sort of almost sit there and, and go along for the ride, really. Yeah, we 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 didn't have to do very much. He, I, I don't think, I, he was a very, very intelligent horse. And I don't think I've known a horse as competitive as he was you know he'd pull yeah. out anything and I, I was involved in one close finish I obviously watched him a lot of times um, and rode against him a lot of times when Colin and, and Simon were riding and I was a couple of races that uh, Simon rode him in close finishes and he would battle all the way to, to the line without the jo jockey you know he, he'd have done it without the jockey asking the gold cup yeah. Especially that he that he won under Simon, it was incredible. Him and Yahoo battling out, and it was almost he he went across to Yahoo and um, and basically eye to eye, and you're you're not going to get past me. No. Mm. He, he's brilliant that day. I rode him at Sandown against Nick the Brief, and again, some battle all the way to the line, and I thought it was beaten between the last two. Um, but um, certainly, getting back to Kempton didn't have any problems that day. So. Do you think uh, that cross above them? Do you think that the horse's attitude was why he was so endeared to the the British public? I mean, you know, does doesn't often you get a horse that's sort of loved by the British public like he was? Yeah, um, his attitude. Um, you know, he he certainly knew how to to show himself off as well. Um, and being a grey, I think it just it, it stood out. He stood out all the more. Mm. Um, so yeah, what a an amazing horse he, he was, and I'm sure you know we still look back at him now, um, almost thirty years on, thirty two years on, and I think we'll be looking back at him in another sort of fifty hundred years. You know, just mm -hmm. an amazing, amazing steeplechaser. Certainly, go down in the annals of uh, great horses in 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 the you know the National Hunt game. I think that's for sure. He certainly will. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Richard, that is absolutely perfect. Thank you ever so much for coming on and um, enjoy the weather in Spain. And I'm no doubt we'll talk again great, soon. Great, Thanks very much. Well, it's great to catch up with Richard Dunwoody again over in Spain and reminiscing the days of desert orchid. Now it's time to catch up with Joe Tizard and find out exactly how Lost in Translation is looking. In Joe, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Um, the King George is about two two weeks away, roughly. Can you give us an update on on how things are looking for your two entries? Yeah, no, they're. Um, I think I think it looks like we'll probably just run lost in translation, isn't it? As as it stands at the moment, um, we'll probably wait a bit for filler on the roof. But um, yes, yeah, so we're lost in translation with the forecast after today. It's going to be going to be reasonably dry, I think. So um, that'll suit him because he likes a bit of decent ground. Yeah. Um, you know, he got back on track when he won. Ascot um, in the in the Chanel Farmer Grade Two last time, and he's come out of it really well. He, he looks he looks fit and well at the moment, and um, you know we haven't had a lot of luck with him in in the two King Georges he's running, but he's he's been wrong after both times, and you know he, he's right at the moment. So um, so excited about running him. You know I think we've always felt that a track at uh, three miles around Kempton would would play to his strengths and um no reason for us to to change to change our, our view on that now 
how, you know, do you feel generally that, that you know you you you've got over the nightmare of last year in terms of the, the stable and, and horses not running to form? Definitely. I mean, it's um, it just shows we've had a frustrating week with seconds in in the last week, but um, but that's that's horse racing. They're still at least they're all running their races. Yeah. Um, you know, they definitely they have. We've got we've got some lovely horses, and that as long as they're running and they're staying through the line, then then we know they're right. So it's um, yeah, that's. That's where we are. I mean, that that well, last year, I think it was a combination of lots of things, but um, but but we put that behind us now, and the horses are healthy and well. Yeah, yeah. And Native Rivers uh, down to run as well. How's he looking? He he's no, he's not. He's not for the King George. He's down to run, and uh, he's still got an entry in a well in the Welsh National. I haven't actually discussed that after his second up at entry two weeks ago. I haven't actually discussed that with the owner yet whether we are going to go. Welsh National route back in the handicap or not but um, the handicapper has actually dropped him but it doesn't count in the Welsh National because the weights are already out so um, I shouldn't have thought that would be the case but the horse is really well and I, like we, we, we want to run him while he's got his conditions on, on, on the softer ground but it just um, <clears throat> it just at the moment doesn't seem to it's, it's not a stack of races for him so um, I haven't, I haven't had a conversation about the Welsh national really, but I can't, I don't think that will happen. Hmm. Okay, okay. Thank you, Joe. That's great. Thanks for keeping us up to date. Well, now it's time to catch up with Mr. Bresbud himself. It's none other than Gary Wiltshire, and he's live up at Utoxeter, just getting set up for the day's racing up there. Okay. Good morning, Gary. How are you today up at Utoxeter? Live, I gather. Yes. Good morning, Ada. Yeah, what Utoxeter today in the Bresbud box here today? Great racing today, and. Uh... A nice weekend to look forward to, but we don't know what football matches are on and off at the moment with the COVID, do we? So, no, it's not, not uh, I can't very really good, is give it? You any offers at the moment? You'll have to go online, look on Bresbet dot com, and you'll find all the latest uh, odds for tomorrow for the football. But I know they've, I think they've called off already half the Premier League matches, haven't they? Yeah, I think there's only about four or five left to go at the moment. So um, we'll yeah, have, we'll but don't worry, we've got plenty of horse racing on there, plenty of other sports on there, and we'll do a load of. Uh, we do a load of, load of special offers for you uh, next time. You know, just keep on going and then don't forget over Christmas, Boxing Day and different things. We've got load of value, load of value there for you. Yeah. Don't forget a... the darts as well, lady. The darts, the, you know, the World Championship we've got at the Alley Pally. Yeah. Plenty, of, uh, plenty of offers there for the darts as well. So uh, we'll be all right for you, mate. Plenty of value for that. For that fantastic radio station we've got. Oh, you say the nicest things, Gary. But uh, I thought Gary um, Gary Anderson, not Wiltshire, was exceptionally good at the darts last night. I don't know if you saw it, but that was uh, he was on fire. He played really well, Gary Anderson. He's a local boy, isn't he? Local, yeah. You know, listen to the station. Uh, beat A.D. Lewis last night. I, I honestly thought A.D. Lewis, I thought it could have been really, 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 really hard last night. But Gary Anderson, local boy. Really, really done well, and uh, he knocked the man out from Stoke. And where we are today, funny enough, we're in Utopia, and Stoke's one of the nearest uh, nearest places to Utopia, isn't it? Nearest town, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, Phil Taylor territory, as they say. That's right, yeah, absolutely. But uh, going back to the horse racing, Ascot, a great card at Ascot tomorrow. Yeah, fantastic card at Ascot tomorrow. Yeah, great card at Ascot, mate. Yeah, really, really good at Really, really, really good. Really, really good at Ascot. Really, really, you know, great card at Ascot tomorrow. Yeah. But as I said, it's sporting. It's everything sporting tomorrow, isn't there? So yeah, yeah. don't forget. Look on the uh, look on the uh, website there, presbet.com, and also don't, after Christmas we want them competitions up. 
uh, we'll have uh, we'll have well every time you talk to the meetings on, we'll have a nice uh, at least for two people guests at the radio station. As much food as you can drink, as you can have here in our box, so you talk it up. Yeah. Uh, but I would su- suggest getting a driver because the police here, they're very, very good on breathalysers when you oh, come out the track. Anyway, I'm going to wish you, if I don't speak to you all and not everyone on the radio station, a really happy Christmas and uh, a prosperous new year. And let's hope we can keep uh, our association prospect going with... Uh, you know, with your with your site, that'd be great for the next year. Uh, I tried to get Martin Pipe funny enough to do one of our Cheltenham previews, David's dad, and uh, unfortunately he's not too well at the moment, Martin, but he said he's definitely fighting a comeback, so uh, we're going to do a couple of nice Cheltenham previews as well. I know we've got one in Frome we're going we're gonna to try to sort out, and uh, and we're going to have one. We want to see you there and all, this, all the people from the station there anyway, so... Uh, I've got to go, Adrian. I've got a nice bit of Christmas pudding coming up with brandy sauce and a bit of custard. So, uh, well, Merry Christmas, everyone. I wouldn't want to deprive you of that, mate. So, happy Christmas to you two and all your gang, OK? Cheers. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas from Sheffield, Brisbane. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, there we go. That was Gary Wiltshire there from Bresbet up at Utoxeter. So don't forget to go to bresbet.com and check out all the special offers on their specials page on the website. Well, now it's time to catch up with one of our regulars. And, of course, it's Jamie Snowden up at Lambourne. Well, thanks for joining us again. Um, winners galore at the moment. It's going really well, isn't it? Hi, Eddie. Great to, great to be on your show again. Ah, listen, it's um, it's a funny old thing, sports, isn't it? When it when it when the, when the luck rolls your way, um, keep rolling, as it were. Well, yeah, that's right. Too right. But uh, let's talk about, you know, you've had four winners in the last five days, I think I work it out, or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Friday, Friday at Cheltenham, um, Saturday at Hereford, yesterday at Leicester and today at Fosslass. So, you know, what's the, what's the secret? Just good horses? Yeah. Um, I, I would like to tell you it's easy, but... Um... I, I, that that would be a lie. I, listen, it's um, right horses in the right race on the right grounds, fit, health, healthy, well. Um, jockeys riding riding well. Uh, it's it's when the, when the jigsaw fits, it's um, it's great. But uh, you kind of need every every piece of the jigsaw to, to fit. Well, let, let's just go through them a minute. Anything for love? I know you you, you rate that horse. Um, uh, one by it doesn't tell me here, does it? According, no, it doesn't tell me how, how. Oh yeah, seven lengths. So that's quite an impressive win. Yeah, she 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 won today down at Foss Last. It was the first time she's had heavy ground all season. She she won three races for us last season, two the season before. Um, she's a nice mare. She won a Grade Two last year at Sandown, but she she obviously last winter was was very wet. This winter's been very dry. Um, she really relishes relishes deep ground. And um, today was the first time she's really had those conditions all, all, all season. Yeah. And then present value yesterday at Leicester, four and a half lengths. Again, quite a quite a convincing win. Yeah, he, um, he he was having his first run for us. He'd shown some decent form previously, but, but had obviously taken a bad fall at, at Newbury and had slightly lost his confidence and lost his weight a little bit. And um, his form had deteriorated as, as a result. Um, he, he, he came to us in the summer and we've done a lot of time rebuilding his confidence and rebuilding him and um, it was quite rewarding for him to go and win first time out for us yes yeah, true, true and then going over to uh, Wincanton you had uh, no, not Wincanton sorry Hereford Hardy de Saul. yeah he's he's a, he's a horse we, we very much like um, uh, very much like he's got a serious engine he, um, when, he, when he gets round he wins and when he doesn't he falls over um, 
He's run four times this season, and his form figures are F1, U1. Yeah. Um, thanks, thankfully, he added the number, not the letter, next door to his name on Sunday. And he, he, in fairness, he jumped very well all the way around. Um, he always he, 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 there was a faller two out, and, and he got he got sort of brought back to a standstill two out, and and the leader had about seven or eight lengths up on us going to the last, and um, our chap showed a a serious turn of foot to get back going from a, from a standing start to make up that ground and, and win going away. So um, I do think he's, a, you know, I, well, I knew he was a nice horse going into it, but I think he's um, potentially very smart. Yeah. He sounds a little bit like me. You said, you know, you know I want to come out of the pub. <laughs> and then uh, that's, that's, right. that's all right. Gino again, uh, two for Gavin, uh, Gavin Sheehan for you as well. Yeah, that's right. Gino won at Cheltenham on, on Friday. That was, um, that was a, a, a really decent performance. And, and again, this is a horse that I think, I think does have a big future. He, um, he never won a bumper for us last season, but we did his, we, he finished second on three occasions. We did his wind over the summer. Um, he came out and he won at Fontwell first time out over hurdles this year. Um, and obviously followed up at Cheltenham on Friday. It was a bit of a slowly run race, and he landed over the second last in a bit of a heap and had to get rolling again from there. So um, things didn't go all his, all his way, but he, um, he put his head down from the back of the last and fought bravely up the hill. Um, it was a, a, a decent performance, and I think on the back of that, we'll probably pitch him into a, into a grade one um, at Sandown, the Tolworth hurdle in, in early jam. So, um, yeah, that, that could be quite exciting. Oh, I'll keep my eyes open for that one then, so that's all right. Um, looking to the weekend, uh, Jamie, you've got uh, one, two, three, down, or two tomorrow, Ascot, another one on Saturday. Are they all likely to go? Yeah, so we've got two, two to Ascot tomorrow. Soldier Destiny runs in the maiden hurdle. Um, he won a point-to-point last time out um, down at Fosslass. He, um, he's having his first start for us over hurdles here. He, he um, he's a nice rangy individual. He'll be a proper chaser in time. Um, hopefully he goes there with a the chance. There's, there's one of Nichols, one of Henderson in there that, that could be okay. But um, yeah, hopefully he'll run a decent race. And Dusky Days, um, one first time out for us uh, in a bumper at Stratford on on his racecourse debut, and he runs in the listed race at Ascot there tomorrow. And are you hopeful? It's a very very competitive race, Ad. Um, I think if he finished in the first six, it'd be a great performance. Right. Okay. And then, of course, Saturday, uh, a busy. Well, one at Haydock, one at Ascot. Are they both going? Yep. Uh, up for up for parole goes in a decent race up at up at Haydock. He won a couple of novice hurdles last year and was placed in a in a Grade Three, the Persian War, a uh, Grade Two, sorry, Persian War at uh, Chepstow at the start of this season. He didn't really take to chasing. I sent him chasing, and he didn't really jump very well at um, the last day. So we're back over hurdles again. Um, and I think um, I think actually there's 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 scope from his handicap mark to be quite competitive. Well, it looks to me like you're going to have a pretty happy Christmas, Jamie. Way this is going. Well, it's um, there's a few horses and a few races to to be run before Christmas. Well, yeah, but uh, I, the way things are going, <laughs> it's probably a few horses to be running a few races that are going to be winners. So let's, well, let's hope. Let's let's be positive. Come on, you know uh, you're doing well at the moment. Unlike Arsenal, no, they did win, didn't they? To be fair, um, oh, they did. <laughs> more than you can say for United, but you can't play now. They've all got COVID, so that's no good. But um, yeah, there, the there we go. But look, um, well done, mate. It's it's brilliant. It's it's lovely to be connected to a trainer that's having such success, and uh, long may it continue. That's all I can say, really. You have a a safe journey home, and uh, we'll talk to you next week if that's all right. Yeah, I look forward to it. Great stuff. Thanks.
Katie, all the best. Thanks a lot, Jamie. See you soon, mate. Bye-bye. Well, that was Jamie Snowden there with a winner in under his belt on his way back from Fossilise. Right, well, now it's time to catch up with our old mate Dave Wilson over at Harlequin Racing. Well, good evening, Dave. How are you today? Yeah, very well, mate. Uh, we've had a nice week, and uh, as you know, I've got twin girls. It's their birthdays tomorrow, so uh, they've both asked me for horse race ownerships, all which right. is very good. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, cost you then. We've had a little look around. Well, we've had a little look around, and uh, we've picked two. Well, they have picked two. Just, just destroyed me basically, and uh, gone for their own things. Mm -hmm. But they've both picked horses with uh, the owners' group, which oh yeah, that's cool, uh, isn't it? Chose, uh, well, we're not. The first one's issuing authority, and that's stabled up with Nicky Henderson. Yeah, and the second one is Jaron Millo, which is up with Warren Greatricks, both up at Lamble. But I thought so, the owners' uh, group as a whole was part of um, Paul Nichols. Maybe I'm wrong. They've got quite a few horses in with Paul Nichols, but the only one that they had shares available for was uh, one called Hall Goat, mm. and neither of the girls wanted to have a share of him for some reason. Oh, there you so, go. Uh, they've right. chosen chosen herself two horses and away we go well we should, so, uh, be, we should be waiting for the information to come our way then yeah we'll have to have a look uh, obviously neither of them they're both uh, very youngsters and uh, obviously they're due out in the new year in bumper races yeah. so we'll see how they go yeah yeah uh, quite okay yeah okay. so very but you're taking us to Ascot that's right I'm taking you to Ascot for Saturday and we're going to start up with a 12.40 and funnily enough, we're going with a horse called Gului or whatever he's called. He's number seven in the race and he's actually uh, an owner's club horse. Oh, there you so, go. So, uh, Harry, Harry Copton's taking the ride for uh, Paul Nichols on him. He's currently priced up at nine to one at the moment with William Hills. He's had three runs to Two of them was out in Ireland before he joined the team up at ditch it and he runs second out in Ireland to a horse called Brimming Water and uh, he's rated around around 122 but he had better form first time out when he runs third to a horse called Jet Oil of uh, Ryan Potter's and Jet Oil come out again yesterday and absolutely destroyed a field so uh, the form looks pretty solid and this fella's only rated around around 113 so uh, he looks well in on the handicap considering Jet Oil's around about 120 odd or around about there and obviously going up again now is probably about 126, 128. So uh, I would imagine Galois or Galois or however he's pronounced will have a good chance in that first race at Ascot on Saturday. Okay, fine. Moving down the card to the 115, uh, we're going with uh, Mesere de Oboe. He's going to be ridden by Daryl Jacob, a uh, lad that used to live in Yeovil, and trained by Alan King. He's priced up at around about 3-1. to one. Uh, Alan King's strike rate over the last 14, to 14 days is he's hit 27% winners in chase races. So, obviously, the stable's banging form, and uh, Mesere de Oboe, on, in 2016, he came out and won his reappearance race, and uh, he was then off for about three years before he reappeared again. He had one race, and then he had uh, time off before the next season, but when he reappeared in 2020, yet again, he won on his reappearance. So uh, he certainly likes to come out fresh, and he runs very well there. And uh, he won the Dipper at Wincanton, uh, beating Protector out back in obviously 2016 by four and three quarter lengths now if you put the horse protector at in this race it'd be like five on yeah. so obviously if Mesere de Robo comes out and runs to his old form which he's likely to do on his reappearance because that's the way he runs he's going to have a very good chance in this race there 
Well, those listeners that listen to the whole show will have heard Jamie, Jamie Snowden talking to me about, uh, uh, what's it called, Legends Ride, and he's in very good form at the moment, so uh, you have been warned, listeners. So we'll uh, move on down to the 150, and uh, a local horse, we've, we've tipped him up quite a few times, and he runs very well on the odd occasion, uh, Slate House, uh, Brendan Powell's going to be taking the ride for Colin Cizard. Now, it's interesting that this horse has been dropped all the way back to uh, two miles two for this, where he's been really well run over three miles for quite a few races. Uh, he had a run over hurdles at Taunton in the week over a shorter trip, and he didn't actually run too bad. He only got beat about 10 or 12 lengths, if memory serves me right. But the thing that we have noted in his races when he's run over two miles to two miles four He's only run nine times, and he's won three of them, and he's been second in one. And he looked all over a winner at Cheltenham in another one, and he he fell at the second last. So it's a horse that we've been looking for to come out chasing again, but over the shorter trip, not over the three miles. And he's got that in this race here at Ascot in the 150. He's currently priced up around about 20 to 1 at the moment with... uh, Bet365, and it's interesting to see that he's already been supported with William Hills in this race. They've already shortened his price up, so uh, the 150 there at Ascot, and each way bet on Slate House. Right. Moving down to the 225, uh, Nico de Boinville is riding Buzz, and John Joe O'Neill Jr. is riding Champ for Nicky Henderson, and they look to have uh, the ace hand in the race here. Obviously, Buzz won the Sazavrovich, up at Newmarket on the flat, and then come out and won the Grade 2 hurdle in fine style over the course over 19 and a half furlongs. But this race is over three miles. Now, a horse that we had massive bets on back in 2020 champ when he was in the RSA, and coming to the last, we thought we'd done our money. He was 15 lengths down, but if you remember the race, he got up and beat Minella Indo very nicely in the end after being 15 lengths down at the last jump. Now, Minello Indo's obviously gone on and won the Gold Cup in 2021, where Champs obviously not jumped the first two spences and smashed through them both, and uh, he got pulled up. Now, this is a hurdle race over three miles, and it's going to absolutely suit Champ down to the ground. He's priced up around about 7-1 to one at the moment. He was 15-2 earlier today, but he's shortened up a touch already. And uh, we think he's going to have the upper hand on Buzz over three miles, where... We think if it was a shorter trip, Buzzard has the upper hand, but three miles is what Champ wants, and he's proved it. He, he stays every inch of it, and uh, we shall see on Saturday at Ascot in the uh, 2.25 there. OK, fine. Uh, moving down to the three o'clock, one we tipped up a couple of weeks back, Caribbean Boy, uh, another Daryl Jacob ride for Lecky Henderson again. Now, this fella's priced up at eight to one at the moment. Now, he normally goes very, very well fresh, and he run, run a couple of weeks back, and he... He ended up 10th uh, in the Paddy Power Gold Cup at Cheltenham, but he was only beaten eight lengths. Now, to finish 10th and only beat eight lengths, he, he was in with a chance, and he didn't get the best of runs in that race either. So uh, we would imagine that run's going to have brought him on really well. And if he produces a form where he beat Fiddler on the roof four lengths in the Berkshire Grade 2 Class 1 race back in November 2020, he's going to be a very big handful to handle in this race. So uh, we shall see how he gets on there. And he's, he's not so good form behind Dashiell Drasher as well over the track and trip. So uh, we'll see how he goes. So uh, Caribbean boy in uh, 3 o'clock at Ascot. 
Okay. Moving on to the last race of the day at Ascot, the 335 uh, horse that we backed last time out, Oshin. Obviously, Jamie Moore and uh, Gary Moore take uh, jockeyship and trainership of this fella. Now, it's interesting to see that we've dropped him back to two miles after trying 19 and a half furlongs when he was uh, running in the race behind Buzz, which, uh, as we went over earlier, was very good. Now, he's priced up at 10 to 1 at the moment with Bet365, and there's four places on offer at a fifth of the odds. So, obviously, you're going to get two to one about him if he finishes in the frame. And uh, I think he, he certainly will there. He's, he's a wide-margin winner when he decides to put his best foot forward. And this is the horse, uh, if you remember, in the Triumph Hurdle in 2020. He was absolutely clear of the field and he tripped himself up. And uh, he, he's got class all over him, but he does throw the odd bad race in. So uh, mm. just to be warned about that one. And uh, we'll see how he gets on there in uh, 3.35 at Ascot. OK. One more that we've got for you and uh, a mare that we really like. She's running at Haydock in the 12.55 on Saturday. Her name's Nina Viteria. And uh, Gavin Sheehan's taking a ride for Alan King, which isn't a, a normal partnership there, but obviously it's uh, something to do with uh, normal jockeys being at Ascot and Gavin being up at Haydock. And uh, I think Gavin's uh, one of the up-and-coming riders at the moment, and he, he's certainly giving horses good rides every race that you see him riding in. Now, last time out, Nina Viteria, she fell at the last, and she looked to just be getting into a big battle with a mare called L.S. Bell, of uh, Dan Skelton's and Ellis Bell was one of the top mares around and uh, one of the top bumper, perform bumper performers last year so it's going to be uh, interesting to see how Nina Viteria gets on here she's only priced up at around about 6-5 to five of heels at present but if she stands on her feet I can see her winning this very very easily and she looks a good good bit above the other horses on the hurdles form but there's one in the race that's got a good bumper form uh, Mayhem Meyer and uh, she ran fourth up behind Bonte in a very, very good race on the bumper circuit at Chantry a few weeks back. But she's got no experience over the jump, so uh, we're certainly going to be siding with Nina Materia and uh, having a nice bet on her there. So that's what we've got for the weekend for you, mate, and uh, hopefully there'll be a few winners in there. Well, I hope so. Certainly looking at those cards, there's some decent horses out, aren't there? Over the, the uh, Particularly at that Ascot meeting, I mean... You know, uh, is it going to be a job to pick them out? I think, to be honest, I mean, hopefully you've done the job for us. But um, you know, it's not easy, hopefully, is it? When, when you <laughs> when you look at some of these, I mean, yeah. to me, Goshen. I don't know. I've backed Goshen so many times, and the horses let me down. I've got no faith in him personally. But uh, as you say, we do well, know it's a good horse, don't we? We know that. We've seen it at uh, yeah, Cheltenham. Yeah, and, so. and he's in a handicap as well this time. So. Uh, it's a little bit different to normal. He's, he's not in the Class 1 race where you've got all the top superstars. He's in a, he's in a handicap, so uh, obviously he's going to be carrying top weight for the ability that he's got. So it uh, be interesting to see how he gets on there. So uh, yeah, we shall have a look. It certainly uh, will. You, 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 you decided against having a share of him then, did you? Yeah. <laughs> it cost <laughs> a bit too much, that one. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, okay, talking then. about good races. Yeah, uh, there's a race on Friday at Ascot. The two, the two twenty at Ascot on Friday. Yeah. You've got John Bon in there. The JP McManuses. You've got Nappers Hill, the best, the, the best bumper horse last year. You've got Dan Skelton's, as we said earlier, MS Bell, the best mare that was around last year. And you've got I like to move it from the 
Twistling Davis yard, who's won three out of three this year. So when you're talking about good races and mm. what's coming up at Ascot over the next two days, that race is just, oh, I can't wait to sit down and watch it. Yeah. It's just uh, going to be one of them. But John Bond being the full brother to Duvan is an absolute machine. When I see him run last time out, it was it was like watching a Ferrari taking on minis. Yeah. That's, uh, that's how he looked in the race. Uh, but there is some cracking racing on Friday, Saturday, this weekend, and coming up over the winter, winter period as well, the Christmas run. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal what's coming up at the moment, so looking forward to it all. Well, make the best of it whilst we've got it, eh? Before the blooming COVID jumps in and stops everything again. Hope, yeah, that's the problem. Hopefully yeah. it won't, but there we go. All right then, Dave. Well, thank you very much for that, mate. Appreciate it. And uh, you have a good weekend. Don't buy too many horses, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Will do, mate. Cheers. Thanks for that. Well, next up, we're going to catch up with our very good friend, Mr Nick Schofield. Well, Nick, good of you to join us this evening after a hard day down at Faslas and uh, uh, not a very successful one in terms of winners, anyway. No, but um, I think could have probably going to ride a winner when... One upmanship for Jack Barber just tipped up two out. He was looking like the winner that, that then, so um, that was a bit frustrating. So um, and the other horse that I rode um, <clears throat> looked like the winner turning in and just got tired in the ground. So um, yeah, not not a bad day. So um, and I'm sure they'll be winning in the near future. Yeah, but you've had a, you've had a fairly good run lately, anyway. So uh, let's look on the positive side rather than the negative side. But it must be a bit frustrating, I think, when when you, you're going well in. You know, you think, well, this is looking good now, and then they go and fall. It must be really frustrating, actually. Yeah, it's called jump racing. You have to jump the jump. So, um, yeah. part and parcel, if it was easy to jump the jumps, it wouldn't be as fun. So, um, they're there to be jumped, and you have to jump them. That's true enough. That's true enough. And tomorrow, you're off on your travels again up to Utoxeter, I see. Yeah, a couple of chances. Um, a horse, Sarah Humphreys, hopefully win, and... Uh, the horse of Billingsley for Alistair Ralph, whose horse is continuing great form. Uh, that should be, hopefully, be good each way chance. So, um, yeah, if it can be like last Friday, um, where I had two winners, um, it will be happy. And what about Irish Sovereign? Has that got any sort of a chance? Yeah, he should win, yeah, hopefully. Oh, that's OK then. We'll keep an eye on that then, certainly. And then the weekend, you're up at Haydock, yeah? Yeah, I got a real nice ride called Fugitive. It was really impressive on this season with debut first time offences. Yeah. He's an exciting animal going forward. He's taken on some really high-class rivals, um, but we expect a bold showing. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's um, another stepping stone for him. It's a bigger track to jump around Haydock, but if he puts his jumping together, he, he's a very exciting type. So a fair few miles on the clock, though, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, it's still been a busy week up and down. I think last weekend I was buying at Doncaster, Carlisle, and um, we managed to get quite some nice winners. Papa Tango won at Carlisle and had a nice winner for Alan King and uh, Henry Daly on Friday. So, um, yeah, it's all been worthwhile. And does this, I mean, COVID, I mean, obviously it affects us all. We're, we're all sort of sitting here and, you know, 80-odd thousand infections today, they're telling us on the news. It's a worrying situation for, for not just football for racing for everybody really i mean are you concerned about it with the way it's going uh we get we get we've obviously had to have the nhs app and we have to show our show our card as we walk in and anyone that goes into the races has to show they're either vaccinated or yeah pass electoral flow test and every i think 
every now and again we have to do a lateral flow test so um yeah if there's over four thousand we have to do a lateral flow so um yeah we're we're well covered and within the racing industry and we wear masks in the weighing room and um obviously out in the paddock and yeah. allowed to take them down in the race but um yeah it's a um it's very well you know um stu- stewards uh at the races at the moment so well they certainly seem to be making every effort to make sure it's uh contained don't they that's that's the thing and as you say i think it's a little bit more organized than last time anyway yeah and um racing really did well you know throughout the pandemic and um it continues to do so yeah yeah all right well i will uh, let you have some rest now and get yourself prepared yep. for tomorrow thanks for coming on the show yep. as usual and we'll speak to you next Brilliant. week all right yeah thank you and wish you all a merry christmas and to you nick and to you thanks for coming on bye. mate and i'll speak to you next week thank okay bye cheers well, that was our good friend uh, Nick Schofield, and now we're going to catch up with another one of our jockey friends, and that is Mr. Gavin Sheehan. Okay, well, good afternoon or good evening, Gavin. Uh, you had a very good day today, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I did. Um, lovely winner down in uh, Fox last year. Getting a horse like him that j- jumps from fence to fence is uh, it's good old buzz. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, as I said, I watched it on the TV and. You know, seeing the, the the rest of them behind you just sort of riding like mad, and you were just sat there quite comfortably, and he just cruised away, didn't he? Yeah, he's just a just one of those horses that it just jumps from fence to fence. He's, he he doesn't use any energy to get get over from uh, one side to the other, and you know they save save a lot of um, save a lot of effort basically doing that. And um, yeah, it's especially around a, a tough enough track like that in them conditions, but. He's a he's a nice horse and uh, he's a lovely horse to ride. Yeah, absolutely. Well, looking at your horses tomorrow, Gavin, you got uh, one, two, three, three at Ascot. Uh, though, talk me through those. Uh, which is the best one? Which is the, the most likely to win? Would you say or, that, or all three? They're all good. Um, I never sit in bad horses. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> Can't argue with that. <laughs> um, Brave Shasky is a lovely horse. He only won there last Thursday around Warwick. Um, I thought it was short of his best trip, but he proved me wrong and showed, showed enough speed. Um, he, he jumped well for Venetia Williams. Um, and, uh, yeah, he just he, he took me by surprise, but he jumped very well. Um, got a great spin off him, and I think he went up £12. So by running tomorrow, he's got um, a little, little bit less and a little bit to play with. Um mm-hmm. But Ascot, I think, should suit him, so I'm looking for a big run out of him. Yeah. I got Soldier of Destiny for Jamie Snowden, who won a pint-to-pint last time. Uh, Touchwood, he's a very athletic horse, very good jumper. Um, he's running over 2.5 tomorrow. I think the track, trip, everything should suit, um, which yeah, he seems like he's in a good place, so I'm really looking forward to him. And Dusky Day's in the bumper for Jamie Snowden again. Um, yeah. He won around Stratford, and... He look. He looks a competitive race. It always is, but um, he looks like a, a nice horse that will put his head down and fight for me. So. And Jamie's horses are running particularly well at the moment. He had another winner today. Um, you know, it's it's going well. But I hear through the grapevine that Nina Nina the Terrier at Haydock is is well thought of. Is is, is you hoping for a win out of that one? Hopefully, yeah. Look, she, she's she's a lovely type. Um, yeah, she took a fall last time around Newbury. It looked like she was going to go and um, go and run a big race. Um, but she's she, she's a lovely type. Um, you know, Alan King's horse in good good form as well. So I'll be looking forward to her. Yeah, and up for parole. 
up for parole um, is a dude of a horse. Um, Touchwood, he jumps very slick. He's he, he's very good. Sir Chips Keswick um, owns him, and uh, yeah, looking for a big run out of him. It's obviously a competitive enough race, but he's um, he's a horse that just puts down his head and gallops for me, tries for me. Um, he does everything you want, really. Yeah, and finally, Calypso Colange. Yeah, he's second favourite um, for Ollie Murphy in the Tommy Whittle. Um, he looks to have a good chance. Um, it's obviously a competitive enough race as well, but, you know, hopefully he can go and um, run a massive race in that and um, hopefully win. Good. Well, that's a pretty concise uh, breakdown of all the horses. So all I can say to you now, mate, is you have a nice evening. You've got a party going there, so uh, don't overdo it. And um, have a good weekend. Yeah, thanks very much. No, well, thanks for coming on the show, and we'll speak to you next week if that's okay. Yeah, perfect. Look forward to it. You're a star, mate. Thanks ever so much, Gavin. Cheers. No worries. Cheers, then. Right, well, that was Gavin Sheehan there, and now we're going to head off to catch up with you-know-who, the cheeky chappy. But he's on safari again. He's over in Sweden again. Well, I suppose it's afternoon with you. Good afternoon, Colin. How are things in Sweden? Good afternoon. Well, it's minus five here this morning, Aidy. Uh, yes. But it is a gorgeous day, beautiful sunshine. I'm looking out across a gorgeous lake, which is half frozen. And there's a bit of snow lying around because they had about three feet last week, uh, just over, well, just under a metre of snow. But that's sort of gone now. But it's forecast again for Christmas. So, yeah, it's beautiful. Ah, oh, right. Have you bumped into the Swedish chef from the Muppets yet? <laughs> What's his name? A.D. Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> Put the bird in the bird and then put it in the oven. <laughs> you do that very, very well. What's his name again? <laughs> I was looking up. Hey, you do that really well. You could almost be in pantomime, couldn't you? Really? Oh, do me a favour. <laughs> do me hey, a favour. You'd be very good in a pantomime. Yeah. Now I'm going to see what we can fix up for next year. It's a bit late this year, but I think. Put we'll the bird in the oven and then the bird in the bird. Right, come on then, let's have some horses, aren't they, bloody Swedish chefs? <laughs> OK, let's go, let's go. What about Haydock? Let's start at Haydock, then we'll go to Newcastle, and then we'll go to Ascot, because it's very good racing at Ascot the weekend. Indeed there is, yes. So the 12.20 we want to start with. 12.20, yeah, it's a handy, it's a novice chase. Some really good horses, and it dreams of home. A winner last time out up at air. You've got a horse called Fugitive that won at Worcester last time out. You've got a horse called Disdonk. Sounds like that one was in the Muppets. Yeah. Um, amazing for no meat. And then you've got a horse called Adramil, who, I must say, has been pretty disappointing, um, to be honest. But he's a very useful bumper horse, and he won a great two at Warwick last year. In fact, I really fancied him for Cheltenham at entry, but... He was uh, he was disappointing there, and he disappointed on a chasing bow. But they put a pair of blinkers on him, would have scored him well at home. He's owned by Lady Bamford, trained by Tom Lacey. He'd like to have a winner for her. So um, I think Adramil, if the blinkers work and he bounces back, back over two miles, I think he'll take the beating number three in the 12.20 at, uh, at Haydock Park. Yeah, that's the uh, Al Brown hurdles, the Phillies and Mares listed. And there was one really unlucky uh, loser the other day at Newbury called Nina the Terrier, 
Uh, not going to be a great price, but it jumps normally for fun. Came the last in a good race where we thought it couldn't really win at the weights, but it would have done that fell. So Nina the Terrier and the 12.55, I think, will win at Haydock Park. Right. Um, on to your mate as a runner. Uh, on to the uh, one thirty at Haydock Park. A horse called Shake em Up Harry. Track leader early, led first, unseated rider. Now, trained by Ben Pauling, it's owned by Harry Redknapp, of course, and um, Luca Morgan takes a useful five off. I think this one uh, will take a little bit of beating here today. So that is Shake Him Up Harry in the 130 at Haydock Park. It's good racing up there at Haydock Park, but it's quite competitive. And uh, not the easiest racing in the world sometimes. I find Haydock, I don't know about you, um, I find Haydock quite a hard place to um, to get the winners sometimes. But uh, now, in the Tommy Whittle chase, this is a 50 grander, um, class two, uh, I won this a few years ago on a horse called Coombs Ditch. In the Tommy Whittle chase, there's a horse that I thought was going pretty well in the Labyrinth Trophy. Um, in fact, it was going very well. Arguably, it would have won. But I think it was too far out to really say exactly. But called Remastered, Tom Skew takes the ride, and it fell for uh, It came there cruising upside the winner, but four out's quite a long way. So I think Remastered can win uh, the 240, the Tommy Whistle at Haydock Park. Okay. Right, fine. next race on the card. Yeah, next race on the card I think is quite difficult. I'm not going to try and um, give you the winner of that race because I'm going to flip off to Newcastle. I love Newcastle. It's a great track, Newcastle. I like it whether it's flat or jumping, <clears throat> but it's a very fair flat track, I think you have to say. And um, there's uh, some pretty nice racing there. And in the first race there, I think we'll find at 12 o'clock, eighty. And listeners, in the 12 o'clock, I think you'll find a called Soft Risk can win here. Easy win of a bumper on debut in May. And then one novice hurdle back at air, the place that won a bumper at, in just soft ground. Uh, that was in November. It's trained by Nicky Richards. He normally gets hold of a decent horse or two in this one. I think will win. First race, 12 o'clock Newcastle. Number three, Soft Risk. That's my my, my, my bet. Right, um, there's a couple of decent races up there. There really is. And uh, quite an interesting little novice handicap chase at 105 where Tango Boy runs. Now, I think Tango Boy's got reasonable form. He'd run that well in the novice chase last time out, but it's trained by Neil Mulholland, known by Tony Bloom. Of course, he's the owner of uh, Brighton and Hove Albion Football Club. Loves a bit of a punt, Tony. And that wouldn't be the biggest surprise if this one went and won. So that's Tango Boy in the 105 at Newcastle. Righty ho. Um, got a couple of okay races, a couple of horses that I don't really uh, know too much about. Um, but there's a horse running in the 250 at Newcastle. I watched the other day at Wellaby win. I thought that'll win next time as well. They have pointed up five pounds, but it's called Trooper Turnbull. It's trained by Rose Dobbin. Of course, she's married to 
Tony Dobbin, who won the Grand National many years ago, um, for for Gordon Richards. Yeah, he used to ride for Gordon Richards. And they're a good little combination, these two, uh, Rose Tobin. And uh, she trains Trooper Turnbull, and I think that'll win um, at Newcastle. So put your mark by him. Okay. Right, I'm going to move. I'm going to move to Ascot for our final bet, and um, we haven't mentioned Mary yet, did we? No. Hello, Mary. How are you doing? Mary, you okay? We'll catch up with you in the next day or two. But Mary, be writing down the bets and just saying, "Go on with that." Bet. No, um, we were going to get Mary on the program this year, but I think it's been a little bit too late now. But I think in 2022. We'll get Mary on the radio, and um, you know she's always smartly dressed. So it doesn't mean to say you know she has to put on any special effort, you know, a new frock or anything to come on the radio, um, because uh, it will be fine, and we'll get her tuned up in the new year. Should we do that? Yeah, we'll do that. And if you keep if you keep talking at the rate you're going, you're going to dig a hole deeper than you thought you were. Go do what? You're going to dig a hole for yourself deeper than you thought. Mentioning the ladies' clothing. Very dangerous area to go, mate. <laughs> no, all I said was Mary's always smartly dressed. Yeah. It's not like it's a TV program, you know, we don't have to, she doesn't have to go and get a new frock on. Oh, keep so digging, keep digging, to... Colin, keep digging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, she'll love it, she'll love it on the radio. Right, here we go, let's start with, um, with where Ascot, plenty of runners at Ascot, um, Gosh, I used to love riding here. And do you know, there's one horse here that's a big improver. And the times, I mean, who am I to tell Gary Moore's head to, to run his business? But um, there's a horse that I think has been crying out for a trip. And he was a decent horse on the flat for Marcus Tregoning. He's called Impal. Impal, horse number 10. And he runs in the 1240. And he started winning at Ludlow um, off of 99. He runs off of 111 now. But do you know this horse is a bit of an improver. He did get beaten at Lingfield last time out, but I think today, you know, on uh, on this track and and being uh, he, he's been ridden by a professional again today. I don't think he'd be far away. So Impel each way around about seven to one in the twelve forty Ascot. On to the Howden uh, graduation chase, the one fifteen. What wins it? Well. You know, I quite fancied a horse called Danny Wisbang the other day, but it didn't run very well. Can't see really that winning now. Um, but the horse that um, I could see winning the race um, is a horse that, uh, a horse that he, he was once rated about 100 and, uh, 157 or something. He's called Black Op. It's about five to one. He's trained by Tom George. Um, he finished fifth last time out at Aintree, pulled up a punches down with seventh at the Cheltenham Festival in a good race. But, you know, a couple of runs before that, he'd run some good races. Second of Champ at Newbury, and good. second of Slate House at Kempton over the Desert Orchid Chaser at Boston Day. And uh, Black Op is the one that could uh, just shake them all up here. Horse number five in the Howden graduation chase at 1.15. On to the next race there. Another really, really good race. Um, plenty of good, strong company here. Palmer's Hill, probably got our favourite beat top of the Cotswolds at Weatherby last time out. Um, and not a bad horse with the John Joe O'Neill yard. 
We've got Knight and Dubai, who's also not bad either. Sorry, Doc, AA, that Kenny sticks at Newbury are there, but quite well beat. Um, gosh, it's a real good race, this one. But I can see Palmer's Hill winning, um, and I think he's also uh, is a big improver, and that's in the 150 at Ascot. Okay. Now, um, bad news in the Howden Long Walk hurdle, lady, is that Buzz. Slightly favourite and likely winning a buzz. Yeah. He just fractured his pelvis, so I don't know how he did it, but he did it at home. And he'll be absolutely fine. He will be back racing pretty soon. You know, people do these things. You know, people fracture pelvises and they come back. But what a shame for everybody concerned. But there we go. But what wins it? I'm going to go with Time Hill. He looked like he was going to win it last year. And uh, Lee Horse in question passed his park just picked him up and off he went but um, that is bad luck on bad it's a real good race um, Champ uh, runs in the race also a, a good sort of a horse that I'd rather like to follow but I do think that Time Hill can win for the Hobbs Yard and also anything big price in that race uh, you know any horses like um, uh, they're 10 to 1 and bigger like north from 43 in that race I don't fancy anything else really and I under 10 to 1 in the end. But I do think Time Hill can win. Um, right, as we move on to the next race on the card, I thought there was quite an interesting runner here uh, called Ansam. I think he could be quite an each way bet for our next race, the uh, at 3 o'clock. And that is uh, in the 3 o'clock number... Number 11, Anthem, I think, has got a little each-way chance. Okay. Now, the 3.35, the Bet uh, Exchange Trophy, this is a grade three, it's worth 105 grand. It used to be the Labrador Hurdle and also the Coral Hurdle. All sorts of good, you know, big names have been uh, associated with this race. Now, please but tell me you're not going to go on Goshon again. Please, please, no, please. Don't tell I really me, like that. I'm not going to, no, I'm not, I'm going to give him a miss. Give him, give him a miss this time. Right. And I'm going to be looking down. I'm going to be looking at a horse that I thought was very impressive last time out. Uh, it's Sam Down, and it's called Samurai. If he absolutely hacked up the other day, he could just be the big improver in the race. So, Samurai's for me um, in this race. I think he's got the form that um, could just go and win it. And the other horse I like in the race is also a Hobson about 12 to 1 called Luxor Land. I think he's an improver. So I think two improvers for the race. Number 12, Luxor Lad. Number 5, Samurai. They're both around about 6 to 1. And that's my lot, uh, listeners and Mary, for um, racing on Saturday, um, the 18th of December. Excellent. Thank you, Colin. Um... I'm going to have to rush, I'm afraid we have got no time for small chat today because I've got to go to the press conference okay. at Hewish Park. So all I can say is uh, thank you for your horses and I will speak to you in the fullness of time. You're just like, you're just like Sir Alex Ferguson, you are. Well, Amazing. Well, how do you mean? I wish I was like Sir Alex Ferguson. Well, off, I would have been manager off, of Man United then. Off to another meeting, off to another meeting. Well, yeah, but, you know, us us busy radio executives, we've got a job to do, you know, it's difficult. And, and when you have to deal with people that can't work their blooming phones and their internets, it's always, always difficult, you know. Yeah, 
And, and then right. you're always okay. open for a... have a lovely weekend and we'll get rid of our presenters today. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, goodbye then. <laughs> Speak to you soon. Ta-da. <laughs> well, that was a very jovial Colin Brown over in Sweden for the rest of this week. And it brings more or less an end to the show this week. Just one thing. Um, Dave Wilson was mentioning about Christmas presents and he did come up with a great idea, I thought, in so much as... Uh, you know, buy a share of a horse. Absolute! What a present that would be. And uh, certainly, you can imagine who I'm going to see you go to, which would be Hot to Trot Racing because I'm a member of it, and I found it really good. You get a share of the prize money. You you get activities beyond what you would expect. Uh, you get stable visits. You get meetings at the races. It's brilliant. So if you're stuck on Christmas present ideas, there you go hottotrotracing.com and I'm sure they'll help you out all they can, ask for Sam Hoskins he's your man but apart from that, all I can say is we'll be back next week, looking forward to the old King George um, take it easy in the lead up to uh, Christmas break because we don't want you going down with Covid and it seems like the, the world and his wife's got it at the moment so uh, please be careful, be safe and join us again next week on The Racing Show, bye for now <laughs>